John Adams' Letters from the Front podcast for March 1918. This podcast looks at life in World War I through the letters of John Adams, who was 23 when he joined up in September 1914. He served with the 9th Service Battalion Royal Irish Fusiliers and was involved in many significant events on the Western Front, particularly Passchendaele. These are his words, read and narrated by his grandchildren. Last month we saw John Adams trying to gain a pass so he could visit his ill mother. As you will hear from this history section, he nearly made it before the German Spring Offensive. Operation Michael is detailed in the history section with the point of view of the 9th Royal Irish Fusiliers. I recommend that you read the history that is detailed in Nick Metcalf's book about the history of 9th RIF called The Blackers Boys. As this podcast only has a summary, Nick details a lot more of the heroism that went on during that battle. Operation Michael did not just affect John Adams, or just the 9th RIF, or the 108th Battalion, or the 36th Ulster Division, or even the British Expeditionary Force, but many countries, many battalions, and many soldiers. My name's Mark Adams, and John Adams was my grandfather. We know from his letters later in the year that John Adams was granted leave to visit his ill mother. Unfortunately, while he spent the night of 20th of March on a boat at Lavre Port, the German war machine had other plans, which meant John was called back to the line. The next morning, the German spring offensive began with Operation Michael, centred on St Quentin, where the 9th Royal Irish Fusiliers were located. Operation Michael was launched from the Hindenburg Line. Its goal was to break through the Allied lines and advance in a northwesterly direction to seize the Channel ports which supplied the British Expeditionary Force and to drive the BAF into the sea. On the morning of the 21st of March, the Germans began their offensive with a barrage across the entire front line beginning at 4.35am. At this stage, all British formations were under strength, with the 9th Royal Irish Fusiliers at 700 in the ranks. The RIF had taken position by 6am. As the morning progressed, the enemy pushed further into the line, with the 9th protecting the Ulster Division's right flank. The Germans quickly took ground with the British troops moving back so quickly that some soon found themselves behind enemy lines and captured. Communications were disrupted because of the early morning barrage and orders for the 9th RIF to withdraw were lost and the order was not given until 1am the next morning. A Company were nearly wiped out in a brutal fight against nearly 200 Germans. As the 22nd dawned, so did the realisation of the scale of the attack. A line was to be held along the San Quentin Canal and the 9th RIF joined with the remainder of the 108th Brigade to hold the middle of the 36th Ulster Division's line. By this time, men who were on courses or on leave were back to the line. This would probably be when John Adams joined the battle. The 9th RIF were down to just 400 men in all ranks, suffering about a third of its number killed or captured. On the 23rd, the regiments of the 36th Ulster Division were reorganised and the 9th RIF with the 16th Royal Irish Rifles fought hard until darkness fell when the German attack slowed. 
On the morning of the 24th of March, the Oster division were forced back to the village of Wieselv by an attack by a strengthened enemy. The fighting was chaotic and at 3pm the order was given to fall back. There was a brief moment of relief when the 6th Brigade charged and the tired 9th RAF followed up, driving the Germans out of the village and capturing about 150 prisoners. That night, the village was heavily shelled. With a French division holding the line either side, the Ulster division withdrew and the 9th RIF fought a rearguard action. On the morning of the 25th of March, the much depleted 108th Brigade began a long march of over 20 miles west, arriving at Ersch at 11am on the morning of the 26th. Because they were the last out of Vieselve, the 9th RIF were the last to arrive at Ersch completely worn out by a lack of food and sleep and the continuous fighting over the four days. They had only a couple of hours sleep when they were stood to again as the 36th Ulster Division and the 30th Division were all that stood between the enemy and Amiens, holding a narrow line along the canal. The 9th RIF was now reduced to around 200 men but still ordered to hold the line at all cost. During that day they repelled several attacks and ammunition was beginning to run low. German attempts to break through that night were unsuccessful and the fighting quietened down, with the 9th RIF defending three sides and the 1st RIF the 4th. On the 26th of March the German 28th Division attacked the small force of Royal Irish Fusiliers, preventing orders and ammunition getting through. While attempting to contact the Ulster Division command, Major Brew Acting commanding officer from 9th RIF was fatally wounded. The next day, the Germans launched a heavy attack on the French troops to the right of the 36th Ulster Division, which left the RIF exposed to further attacks from the German 28th Division. By 2pm, the 1st RIF were left with no ammunition. The 108th Brigade were forced to fall back later in the day and, leaving their comrades behind, the small band of men moved back to Orvier and spent the night there, before the Ulster Division moved over the next three days away from the battle to the Normandy coast. In the vital and courageous actions fought by the 36th Ulster Division during the retreat, it had suffered an estimated 7,310 casualties, with the 66th East Lancashire and the 16th Irish Divisions each also losing over 7,000 men. Having lost over 500 men, this was the third time since its formation that the 9th Royal Irish Fusiliers had been almost destroyed. Wednesday 6th of March 1918 My dear mother, just a few lines in answer to your ever-welcome letter which I received all right. And no one but God knows a relief my mind got when I read it, to know that you are up and going about again. I would rather have got the letter than any telegram, for I should not have much pleasure in going home. Well, if God spares us both, I may be home before the end of the month. I expect I will be going up to the far before me. Willie is asking for you every day. He is also in this camp. You see, if they had not kept me here for a chief instructor, I should have been home on leave long ago. But perhaps it is all for the best. I am like a man with a wheelbarrow. I always have it before me. Well, I think I shall close for this time. Hoping this finds you keeping well, I remain your loving son, Johnny. 
Saturday 16th of March 1918. My dear mother, just a line hoping it will find you in good health, as well as all at home, as this leaves myself at present. I am leaving here tomorrow for to join the battalion, so any time you are writing do not forget to address them to the battalion. I am sorry I have not had time to write a long letter now, but I shall write soon again to you. The weather is keeping quite nice, I hope it may continue as it is very pleasant. Goodbye, love to all at home, your loving son, Johnny. Thank you for listening to John Adams' Letters from the Front podcast. To find out more about John Adams and his family, visit www.johnadams.org.uk forward slash letters. The history of the 9th Service Battalion, Royal Irish Fusiliers, during World War I is taken from Blacker's Boys. Visit them at www.9thirishfusiliers.co.uk with the number 9. Podcasts will be published 100 years after the letters were written, so will be published nearly every month. If you would like to contact us with comments or reactions, the email address is letters at johnadams.org.uk. This has been a Mark Mess production. Thank you.